round six already. Last week we kind of transitioned to parables dealing with the kingdom. And this week we're going to look at the next parable that speaks specifically to the kingdom of God. It's a parable of the wheat and the tear. Uh, some translation says the wheat and the weed, which is just a word that they exchange for tear. But, but this is one of the very few parables that the parable is actually told. And Jesus, in the next portion after some other things are said, explains the parable. For the purpose of time, we won't go through the, the parable and the explanation in terms of reading from the text because it's a whole lot. But what we'll do, we'll read the first few verses and then um, I have, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll try to get you out of here soon. And you know, when we use soon in church, we use it in the same context that Jesus Christ used it when he said he is coming soon and we are still waiting on his return. So this sermon will be finished very soon amen so in your <laughs> in your bibles i want you to turn with me to matthew chapter 13 we're going to read from verse uh 24 to 20 to, to 30 and then um, we'll pray and hear what the word of the lord has to say so all of these parables right here that Jesus is doing in this particular part of the text is speaking about uh, the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 13. When you have found that, as usual, we stand for the reading of God's word. We honor his word. We honor his name. Amen. And if you don't have a Bible head, the overhead will do. And if you can't read what's the overhead, we'll pray that God would certainly help you. Come on, just lift your Bibles up with me this morning and declare that this is God's word not Pastor Omar's word I am what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I can be what it says I can be and I will have what it says I can have today I will hear the word of God I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Justin, let me read for you. And as usual, we ask you to take notes, to underline, to highlight things as the Spirit speaks to you. Whenever you get into God's Word, you need to write. If God's Word is important to you, you want to make sure that you can remember what God is saying to you. And the best way to remember it is to have it written down or highlighted. So when you look at it, you can remember what God spoke to you at a specific time concerning a specific word he says here's another story jesus told the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted seed in his field right so the planter planted seed in his field we're going to look at that but that night as the workers slept so the farmer planted but the workers slept all right when the workers sleep the enemy came 
and planted weeds among the wheat. Now, just, just to help you so you know you need to underline stuff, the farmer is Jesus, the workers are the members of his church, and when we sleep, the enemy, the devil comes and plants weed in the vineyard or in the field. All right? Says, then slipped away. When the crops began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Of course, they were sleeping, so they would not have known. An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. No, he replied. You will uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvester to sort out the weed, tie them into bundles, and burn them. And to put the wheat in the barn. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Indeed, thine word is truth. Your truth we will hide in our hearts that we will not sin against you. We humbly come before you this morning. We decrease so that you would increase. We acknowledge and recognize that this is not about us. It's about you. The glory, the honor, and the praise belongs to you. We pray in the name of Jesus that everything that would seek to distract and disrupt, you'd put uh, to dead this morning. You'd nullify their works and their effects in the name of Jesus. And may our ear gates be wide open to hear your word. Our eyes be wide open to see your truths. Our minds are ready to understand and our hearts ready to receive. May someone come to know you as Lord and Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. As usual, we don't have our sheets for you to fill in the blanks, but we have a lot of notes that you can, you can capture uh, from the overhead. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure that This sermon that will be preached, that tears will probably be hearing it. I know, like all of us think that we are saved. We hope we are saved. We know the, the, the lingo of the church. We look saved and act as saved as anyone around us. But some of us have never really been born again. And so I have one objective in this sermon. And that is to get each of us to do what the Apostle Paul commanded the Corinthians to do in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. The Apostle says, examine yourselves, whether you be in faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, 
except he be reprobate. reprobate. And that's a question. And to do also this morning what the Apostle Paul told his readers to do in the Apostle Peter told his uh, followers to do in 2 Peter 1 verse 10 where it says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So the question may come this morning. Then why are you preaching this to us? This is not for us. We are all born again, water baptized, Jesus in our minds, Christians speaking in tongues, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, and people getting healed, and evangelists. The answer is though, I don't want you to go through life being deceived about your salvation and end up in hell. I want you to be sure that you're saved by God's grace. So, are you wheat or are you tears? Now, if you ask the person beside you, and like we always say, when you ask the question, you must wait for the answer. Because maybe you can help. So ask the person beside you, are you wheat or tear? I suspect everybody will tell you that they are wheat. So there are no tears in here. Okay. I, I really believe you. That there are no tears in here. We are all wheat. Someone might say. We are all saved. There is no need for a message like this. But the truth is we don't know. Some of us will say well. I know that my mother is saved. You don't know. I know my daddy is saved. You don't know. I know my kids are saved. You don't know. The truth is you don't know about anyone but yourself. And you may even be wrong about yourself. There are over 200,000 Jamaicans who they say are church members. More than 200,000 Jamaicans they say are church members. People who go to church regularly and often. So if they are all saved, then why we have all of these problems we have in our society? I won't go through them. If they are all saved, then why do young people who claim to be saved have premarital sex at the same rate as people in the world? The truth of the matter is that people often think that they are wheat when they are in fact tears. And know this because it was a church like this, church people that Jesus was talking to about this. So if the all-wise God, through his son Jesus, would speak to people who thought they were all wheat about some being tears, there could be a possibility that although all of us believe that we are wheat, there are tears among us. But the truth of the matter is that people often think that they are wheat when in fact they are tears. So I'm going to share with you three brief thoughts that will tell you what wheat and tears have in common. But they will also point out what makes them so different 
So while I preach this message, I desire everyone to be tuned in. And let the Lord speak to your heart. If you are saved, this message won't hurt you. But if you are lost, it will bring a turning point in your life. So let the Lord speak to you. So what was the destiny of the wheat and the tears? Because what I want you to do is to have a destiny with the Lord secured. So let's go to the text. The text clearly states that both were planted together. Both the wheat and the tears share the common experience of having been planted. The difference in experience is revealed in two very important points. Number one, the character of the seed. You see, the, 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 the wheat seed produced wheat while the tear seed produced tears. So on a spiritual level, the seed is that thing that we have placed our faith in. Whatever you have placed your faith in is the seed. And that will determine if it produces wheat or tears. So for the genuine believer... The seed is the gospel of grace. The truly born again person is trusting Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. That's where they have anchored their faith. They, they know that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Given by which, which men can be saved. Except in the name of Jesus. There is no alternative way. There is no additional way. There is only one way to be saved. One way and one way only. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that alone. It's not a bargain. It's not a deal. That's just the way it is. It's not optional. It's not like plan A for salvation and plan B. There is one plan. And Jesus is the plan. The tears on the other hand may be trusting in any number of emotional, spiritual, or physical experiences for your salvation. So the wheat anchor your faith of salvation in Jesus. Tears are trusting in emotional, spiritual, or physical experiences for their salvation. So it all comes down to where you have placed your faith. So I want you to ask the person beside you, where have you placed your faith? Uh, so we can go through many things. People place their faith in denominations. And people place their faith in churches and not in Christ. People place their, their faith in doctrines and not in Christ. They, they, they place their faith in systems of beliefs and not in Christ. In emotional feelings and, and mental fortitude and all of these things and deep meditation. Where is your faith? What are you trusting in for your salvation? See, what we need to understand is that salvation only comes to a heart that has been convicted of sin and after genuine repentance has taken place. If you don't feel convicted of sin, you can't be saved. Let me say it again. If you don't think you have sinned, you don't need salvation. So salvation must begin with a deep conviction that I am born in sin. 
I'm wicked and I'm evil and I need a savior. And I come to repentance. There is no other way. If you believe you are good, you can't get saved. Because you don't need salvation if you're good. That is why good works can get you there. It is what John 6 verse 44 tells us. It, it really paraphrase. It is impossible to be saved until the sinner has drawn to God. If you have ever been under conviction, you will never forget it. So the question that must be answered today is where is your faith? And what do you base your hope of heaven? Where is your faith? Why should you be allowed to spend eternity with God the Father? Is it because you're a good person? Or because you're a sinner who got convicted of your sins, repented by the grace of God, and received salvation by faith? Our faith must be anchored in the gospel that is in the death, the resurrection of Christ, atoning work at Calvary, or else our faith is in vain. This is what this parable is about. You're going to see how people are in the church, who though they are in the church, look like church people, do everything, grow like church people, but on the day of harvest, they get separated. Because your faith was in something else. So let me give you an illustration. How many of you know about the flu shot? Alright. If you had one, then you have... I mean, many of you would have had it during the coronavirus business. Then you have been injected with uh, what they call a dead virus. So that's what they inject you with. The flu virus is actually a dead virus, right? So the doctor gives us this to prevent us from getting the real thing. So it, the dead virus... Helps you to not get the real virus. Any, any doctors here? Amen? Make sense? You didn't know that? Yeah, that's what they actually do, right? Right? Amen? A nurse is here? Amen? Oh, yeah. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. In a spiritual sense, many church members have been inoculated with a dead religious virus. And this will prevent them from being saved. You see, they have some kind of experience and they have been vaccinated against heaven as a result. So you have to be sure that your faith is in the right one. Don't get the dead virus because it's going to make you feel like you're alive. And you're safe when you're not. So the character of the seed was described. The character of the sower was described. The good seed was sown by the owner of the field. The tears were sown by his enemy. It's in the Bible. So the, so the owner sows in his field. The enemy came and sowed. Not because of the owner's fault, but the workers fell asleep. Why did the enemy do this though? 
Obviously, it was in an effort to ruin the crop and ultimately it was an attack upon the farmer. The enemy wanted to attack the farmer, so what he did, he planted in the farmer's field. So here it is, you have a good church that God has planted and planted wheat in it. And then we the people, we fall asleep and the enemy comes in and put tears among us. And, and then after 10 years, he said, hold on, I didn't know that this was happening around me all this time and you weren't saved. Oh my Lord. So Satan is in the business of sowing tears among the Lord's wheat. Why? Well, he knows that if he can place enough of the artificial among the genuine, then he can devastate the entire crop. So all the enemy is doing is putting tears among the wheat because it destroyed the credibility of the field. And then if you question the credibility of the field then people begin to question the credibility of the farmer. So if he can fix enough goats among the sheep, then he can disrupt the harmony and the blessedness of the church. All the devil needs to do is that wherever there is wheat, wherever there is a sheep, he tries to put a goat. Because here's what. Goat have a way of influencing sheep more than sheep influencing goat. He's in the business of undoing all that the Lord is doing. If he can fill the church with lost church members, then he can fill hell with a multitude of deceived people. If he can fix, mix goats, in among the sheep, then he can disrupt the harmony. Wherever there is church and trouble in the church, you can almost bank on this truth. There's a lost person involved somewhere. Listen, every church problem, there's an unsaved who looks saved in it. When it let me say it again. Whenever there is church problem, somebody unsaved. Right in the center of it. We just think them saved. So Satan knows that enough lost people in the church will give the church a bad name. Why? Because the lost can only imitate the seer for so long. Then their true nature, like that of the tears, will come out. So what I'm trying to say today is that you don't need to base your hope. Is that you do not need to base your hope of heaven on some experience or the other. You need to be sure beyond any shadow of a doubt that you have truly trusted Jesus and in him alone for your salvation. Both were planted together. But you know the story also tells us that both progressed together. Can you believe it? Everybody progressing together. All the tears I get a little bit of what the wheat supposed to get. When water was poured on the wheat, it got on the tears. So the tears are getting what the wheat is getting. They are progressing together. But it was all the activity of the wheat. 
It wasn't the tears initiating anything. It was the wheat who was doing it. And the tears were just occupied with the activity of the wheat. So this is interesting because both the wheat and the tears grew. As the wheat grew, so the tears grew alongside them. They did everything the wheat did and they looked good doing it. Would we all agree that safe people grow in the Lord? If you stay in church, stay in the Bible, and stay in prayer, then you're going to grow and prosper in the things of God. However, do you know that it is impossible for, it is possible, possible for lost church members to grow in the things of the Lord also? Yes, it is. Take the Bible for instance. It is a spiritual book. That is... It takes the right kind of spirit to understand the deep truths of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You remember, who is a fool? Not a person. Remember, for the last two weeks, you were talking about who is a fool in the Scripture. A fool in the Scripture is not a person who um, doesn't have the, mel- the mental ability, they just lack spiritual discernment. So a fool cannot understand the things of God because they lack spiritual discernment. So imagine a lost person who gets deceived into thinking he or she is saved. They sit under the preaching where the truths of the Bible are explained and made clear. That lost person can certainly understand the Bible. They can memorize it and know the Bible stories. They can possess all the activities of the genuine believer. Tears in the church, sing in the choir. They serve as deacons and Sunday school teachers. They attend faithfully. They come to prayer meeting. They give tithes and they give offerings. They even stand in the pulpit and preach the word of God. But just because they have all the activity of the wheat does not mean that they are real. The tears had all the activity of the wheat, but they were still called tears. Yes, so they had all the activity. They had all the appearance. Because it was all the appearance of the wheat. So when people look, they didn't say the tear field. They said the wheat field. So the appearance is never called tears. It's always called wheat. Though tears are in the midst. Not only do the tears grow alongside the wheat, but they also look like the wheat. Until they have naturally are, are matured completely. They are impossible to tell one from the other. So tell the person beside you. You cannot tell. If I'm wheat or tear. <laughs> say, say, tell, no, no, so, say, say, I want you to help me. Work with me. Say, look at me very good. Say, I know you think that I'm wheat. But you just don't know. It's true. You 
could be sitting beside a tear right now and don't know. Don't look to your left to your right. Just look straight at me right now. Right? <laughs> Amen. But, right? In fact, if you know the crop, if you have wheat in one hand and tears in the other hand and held them both together before your eyes, you'd not be able to tell them apart. Right? That's the way things are in the church. We cannot tell the difference between the genuine and the artificial. The tears in the church dress right. They talk right. They walk right. They give every appearance of being saved. If you examine a real Christian and a tear together, you cannot tell them apart. And that is why we must never be guilty of telling someone that they are saved. Like parents should never tell their children that they are saved. Spouses should never tell the other that they are saved. And you're saying, but pastor, that don't make no sense. I know that they are saved. The fact is, we just don't know. Unless you happen to be the Holy Spirit. And last time I checked, we are not the Holy Spirit. So, so right now, you don't know if I'm saved. The good thing is, I don't know that you are saved. I can know for myself. But you don't know. The problem is, when we see people in church, and we see the right activity, we assume that they serve the right God. All of us are guilty of that. So the, it was all the activity of the wheat, the appearance of the wheat. It was also all the abundance of the wheat. So the tears act like wheat. They look like wheat. wheat but this is where the similarity ends. There was one, one thing the tear cannot do and they could not produce fruit. Tears cannot produce fruit. This is the distinguishing factor. Where is your fruit? Could have, if you were to open the head of a wheat plant, you would find it filled with what they call wheat kernels. If you open the head of the tear, you'd find it filled with tiny black seeds. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So the tear could never produce lasting fruit. So it is with tears in the church. They give all the external appearance of being the real deal. They look right and they act right and they talk right and they walk right. But when you get right down to it, there is no fruit in your life. So is there fruit in your life? What do I mean by fruit? I know you're thinking that I'm talking orange. You have oranges at home and bananas and you have grapes and you have mangoes and you have pineapple and June plum, whatever it is. That, that's not the kind of fruit that I'm speaking about. The tears will lack the things that make the genuine believer so special. They lack the fruit of the spirit. Because you can't fake it. This is where the distinction is. We, we have to turn there. So, so no, no, no. This is what you use to determine if you are wheat or tears. 
All right. So, so let's go. Let's go and test. Let's examine ourselves this morning. Are you ready for examination? Galatians chapter 5. We're going to test ourselves. Now, nah, see who is wheat and who is tear. Let's check and see if out of these nine, I operate in them. And, and I mean, uh, as you go through this list, and you know that you're doing them, and you're living them, and you're seeding your life, I want you to jump and shout hallelujah. If not, then you have to check your status. Ready? Galatians chapter 5. You know it very well. Right? It's one spirit. That have all of these, one, one fruit, it, it doesn't say fruits, one spirit, and the outworking of it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are wheat. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, this is what your life is going to look like. Alright? In every circumstance, when things are tough, when things are good, when things are bad, when, when the marriage falls apart, when there is no money, when there is no food, when sickness comes, this is what I look like. What do I look like? All right, all right, all right. Come on, come on. I know you're all wheat. And you, you know you look like this, right? Love. Listen, listen. You check me any time of day, any moment of the day, just Jesus' love is a bubbling over. That's me, that's me right there. You're talking about me. I'm, I'm wheat, I'm wheat. Joy. I may not always be smiling. But certainly the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've learned to rejoice in the Lord. And rejoice always. I've learned to give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God. That's the kind of joy. Come on, just look at and say, that's me, I'm wheat. Uh, I see some people saying, that's me, I'm weak. <laughs> they, they, give you a, they give you like a half a, you know, you know like a, you know. No. So let's, let's, let's go on some more. It says, peace. I have inner peace. I have peace with God. And here's what. As much as it is up to me, I live in peace with all people. Come on, just leave here and say, that's me because I don't mind people. Amen. So, so the wheat goes to work and the person who hates you in the office, you greet them and say, good morning, God bless you. I prayed for you this morning. And, and, and I mean, I pray that God would bless you so I know you're going to have a great day. That, that's the wheat right there. The tear says, in prayer, I, I prayed for you this morning. No? I pray God would move you to this place. If you say that, you know that you're a tear right there. That's right? <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> but, but, but let's go on. Right, Galatians chapter 5. It says, patience. Means that, listen, I wait patiently on the Lord. I'm, I'm in my own race. I'm in my own lane. Not because you get it today, means it's my time to get it. I wait on the Kairos moment of God for everything in my life. The set appointed time. And when God says, listen, listen, I don't operate on biological clock. I operate on Kairos time. There's no ticking clock up in my life. You know what? God ticks the clock. And when God says it's time, it's time. And if God can, listen, listen, you have to understand. That's the kind of patience that we display. For those who wait upon the Lord shall be renewed in strength. Then there is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
That's what distinguishes and differentiates wheat from tears. See, the thing is that the tear may be able to counterfeit for a while. But eventually, their true nature will be seen. You know what is their true nature? Verse 19 to 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. If you're a tear, you might get all the external appearance of a Christian, of being a Christian. But don't let what you look like and the things you do be the basis of your assurance. Be sure your faith is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. It is interesting to note the response of the farmer when he, asked, when he was asked about the removal of the tears. His counsel was to allow them both to grow together until the harvest. Why? Because the roots of the tears would intertwine with those of the wheat. And if the tears were pulled out, then some of the wheat would be damaged also. You, cannot, you, you realize what is happening? If you allow tears among you, it's going to be so intertwined with you. That when it's time for them to separate it, the wheat going to get damaged. So come on, just say, I, put it, just say, I will not allow any tear to be intertwined with me because I don't want to be damaged property. You see why the scripture in Corinthians makes sense about, about do not be unequally that's wheat intertwining with you're right. Oh my lord. This is, this is good. Alright, that's moving right along, right? So, in the very act of rooting out evil Something of value is also damaged. So the picture here is this. You and I cannot really tell the difference between the genuine and the artificial. If we set up ourselves up as judges and start trying to weed out those we think are tears, we will certainly pull up some of the wheat as well. So judging between the real and the false is God's job. And it must remain that way. All we see is outward appearance, but God is able to look upon the heart. First Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on his height, or his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth, not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So let me caution you against playing the Holy Spirit in the lives of those around you. You do not know who is saved or who is lost. You might even be fooled about your very self. I have this very, a sad, hilarious story. I have to share it with you, right? Um, we have two hours to go, so don't worry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just, that, that was just a joke, right? That, that. We 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 will be finish soon. <laughs> that was a joke as well, right? So so a man was a man stopped at a traffic light waiting for the the light to turn green. Um, when the light changed, he was distracted, and he didn't budge. 
So the woman in the car behind him honked her horn. He still didn't move. She honked again. And by this time she was pounding on the steering and steering wheel and blowing her horn non-stop. Finally, just as the light turned yellow, the man woke up and drove through the light. The woman in the second car was beside herself. Still in Midrand, she heard a tap on her car window. She looked up to see the face of a police officer who said, Lady, you're under arrest. He said, Get out of the car. Put your hands up. He took her to the police station, had her fingerprinted, photographed, and then put her in a holding cell. So hours passed. The officer returned and unlocked the cell door. He escorted her back to the booking desk and said, Sorry for the mistake, lady. But I pulled up behind you as you were blowing your horn and cursing out the fellow in front of you. I noticed the stickers on your bumper. One read, follow me to Sunday school. The other said, what would Jesus do? So naturally, I assumed, based on your behavior, that the car was stolen. <laughs> if you have the Holy Spirit, then you will act like the Holy Spirit. They were planted together, they progressed together, finally, they were processed together. Eventually the day of harvest arrived. The reapers were sent into the field to gather the tears first and then, and then the wheat. How could they tell the difference now? Because it is easy at this stage. Because as the wheat matures the head becomes filled with kernels and the weight of the kernels causes the stalk of the white the wheat plant to bend forward to the ground. So when wheat gets mature, it bows. The seed in the head of the tear, they are light. This allows the tear to always stand tall. The picture is plain and clear, right? As a genuine believer grows in the Lord, they become humble before the presence of God. The tear on the other hand will stand in pride and go to hell clinging tightly to their false beliefs and foolishness. See it is pride in the tear that will cause the tear to stand tall before the almighty God. And thinking, in and of myself, there is something that I can do to save me. And I don't need God to save me because I'm good enough. And I deserve to be saved. When harvest time came, they, both get, they were both gathered. But had very different ending. The tears were burned. The plants were bound together, allowed to dry, and were used much like kindling. They were fit for nothing but to be burned. If the tears were 
accidentally eaten, they would cause nausea and dizziness. It's unhealthy. The wheat was what I call barned. The wheat was gathered and taken into the barn. Here it would be processed for human consumption. And even sold for a tiny profit for the farmer. He kept the wheat. But had no use for the tears. When this life has run its course. There are only two possible destinations for the human soul. Every person who lives and dies as a tear. Will find themselves cast in the fires of hell. To be eternally separated from the presence of God. You know we spoke about hell a few weeks ago. And whether or not you believe in hell. Don't change the fact that hell exists. Psalm 9 verse 17 says. The wicked will go down to the grave. This is the fate of all nations who ignore God. The genuine believer on the other hand can look forward to going to heaven. To be gathered in the Lord's house in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you will also be. See, the question is, which will it be for you? You see, it depends on whether you're a tear or you're a wheat. Examine yourselves carefully this morning. Do not allow yourselves to be deceived right into hell. If your faith is anywhere else but in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're a tear and you need salvation today. So as we try to bring all of these thoughts together, I'm going to close with something of a warning to you this morning. I want to ask you this question. How are tears made? Where do they come from? How do they get into the church? Answer is simple. It is the work of Satan. But there are some things that we need to be aware of as we walk through this life. And the first one is beware of good works. Beware of good works. Good works are like tears. It is easy to substitute good works for salvation. Oftentimes the tears are not the worst ones we can think of. They are the best. They are busy and active in church. But they are lost nonetheless. So don't let a seat in the church choir, a job in the church, or something good you have done to send you to hell. Good works is a tear that will affect your destination, your final destination. Beware of good works. We don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Beware of good works. Beware of good beliefs. Some people have some very good beliefs. There's a real danger in coming to church like this one. The danger is that we tell, we tell you the truth and that so much truth is preached and taught here that it is easy to learn the doctrines and to believe the right things while never actually believing in the right person. 
There are many people who believe the preachings of the church. But don't believe in the leader of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. So they come to church because they like the principles. But they don't like the king. They want the keys. But they don't want the king of the kingdom. They love to hear about how healing can work. But they don't want the healer. You can believe the Bible and every word in it. And still go to hell. You don't believe me, right? You say that is impossible. I want you to name me a verse that the devil doesn't believe. James 2 verse 19 tells us he believes it all. And that he even trembles. But he will never be saved. You can believe it and go to hell. It won't make a difference in your life until you bow before the Lord in repentance for your sins. And receive the atoning death of Jesus as your only hope of salvation. You can believe in the blood, the resurrection, the virgin birth and every other fundamental doctrine of faith and still die lost. They cannot help you until you come to Jesus as a lost sinner and repent of your sins. I know somebody in here needs this this morning. You have grown up under sound Bible preaching, but you have never been born again. You have never been brought under the Holy Ghost conviction and repented of sins. You believe right, but you have never acted on those beliefs and been saved. Don't let good doctrine send you to hell. Don't let Good works send you to hell. Beware of good people. There are people all around you that would hurt you for all the money in the world. But would send you to hell without even realizing it. No, you may say that. That's a little bit outlandish, pastor. Don't ever let the words and assurance of another serve as a foundation for your salvation. Well-meaning people can send you to hell trying to assure you that you're right with God. What do I mean by that? Yeah, man, yeah, man, you're saved. Yeah, man, yeah, man, you're saved. And you know deep down in your heart that things are off. Here's the fourth thing to be aware of. Beware of good feelings. I used to hear people say, like, like, I mean, you will know that it, you really get the Holy Spirit because, man, goosebump come over you and thing. Like, I've never seen, what is goosebump? Like, 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 I mean, and, and so, but what is goosebump? I've, let me ask, how many of you have seen a goose? Like, you have actually gone close to, let me ask the ladies, how many of you have gone even close to a goose? Touching distance. Put up your hand. One. So where 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 you see goosebumps? And don't tell me that you saw it on Google because you were talking about this before Google was around. People want this, this. Oh, fuzz. oh man, I'm telling you. I mean, people feel like, oh my God, I feel so spiritual. Feeling spiritual means nothing if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Feelings don't get you to heaven. Salvation does. 
Yeah, you know, you know, you know this song. I feel good, good, good. I feel good, wonderful, good. Every time I talk about Jesus, I feel it's just a song. It's not about salvation. Feeling good does nothing if you don't have Jesus. Can you imagine somebody have some strong feelings for you? Them, them deeply love you. And they have never said anything to you yet. They have never spoken to you. They have never met. I mean nothing at all. They have never yet said anything to you. Alright. Amen. Hold on. All the lights are gone. None of them. but if mic is working alright right you know what makes a difference when they come to you and there's an expression of that love to you feeling it does nothing come on tell your neighbor say you can't depend on your feelings you, you know I've said this to you how many of you, have you ever feel like not bathing come on put up your hand be honest hey, come on come on now Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Well, I, I do. I do hope that you did base though. Because that's the whole point. of how you feel, you still took a shower. Because you know you can't depend. Have you ever felt like not going to work? Oh. <laughs> you know what? Let's move on. Let's get back to this is this is good. So beware of good feelings. Because sometimes we have emotional services. There are some pretty intense feelings during the service. It is easy to feel the emotion and maybe cry a little. Even give a testimony and tell about that time when you were afraid and went to the altar. Or when you had some experience or the other. You just need to know that those emotional feelings cannot save your soul. I like the good feelings, but I'm not counting on them to get me to heaven. I am saved whether I feel it or not. Because I am trusting Jesus for my salvation. What about you? See the kingdom of God is a mixed bag in which weed and wheat grow together. Side by side. And we can always tell them apart. We'll always have evil among us. It's not our job to weed evil out. Because we don't see the hearts of the people we judge. As being evil. Our job is to take care of ourselves. To take heed. And make sure we are true believers and not hypocrites. Good and evil will both grow together until God judges the world and the evil is destroyed. God answers to no authority, but he will deal gently with people until judgment day in order to set an example for his people. On the day of judgment, God will deal with the counterfeit Christians and those he judges to be evil and unrepentant at the same time. So if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you say the devil is trying to make me doubt my salvation this morning, I just want to say 
I doubt it. There are times when he may do that. When you are genuinely saved and trying to serve the Lord, he may come to you and tell you that you aren't saved. The enemy may come and tell you you cannot serve the Lord and that is in an effort to defeat you. But in a service like this, the devil would be cutting his own throat to tell you that you were lost. So if you were and you went to the altar and got saved, he would lose you to God. And he doesn't want that. If someone is speaking to your heart right now and telling you that you are a tear and that you're lost, it is the Holy Spirit. He's calling you to come and get it settled today. If he's calling you right now, please let nothing or no one stand in your way. Get up. Get to the altar. Get it nailed down right now. Don't let pride or what others might think about you hold you back. Don't let your position in the church stop you. If God is calling, come to him today. If there is the slightest twinge of doubt in your heart, get to the altar, get to God, and get it settled right now and forever. Others have done it in the past. Today, it's your time. Come and honor the call of the Lord in your heart. Allow him to transform you from a tear into the real deal right now. We did a song, I think the first song that we did this morning. There's a part of it where it says, um, The devil has lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. The, the, the sad thing sometimes is that when we hear sermons like this, we know we need salvation, but we still walk away for we say we are not ready. But no man know it the day or the hour when the Father coming. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a few seconds. I want to pray I want to pray for you this morning. And I also want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You can come as you are. God will transform you into what He wants you to be. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you know you need salvation, maybe you had your hope in good works, in good beliefs, in good people. But this morning you say, Lord, I've heard your voice. I felt the prompting of your Holy Spirit on my heart. And I want to commit my life to you today I want to recommit my heart and my life to you today if that's you this morning I, I really want to pray for you because I know 
this is a pivotal point in your life. It's a turning point if you surrender to Jesus. And you can come as you are. God will work mightily in your life. So if that's you right where you are, I'm going to ask you to stand for I want to know who I'm praying for and who I'm praying with. Lord, I need you today. I, I need you. I need salvation. I'm committing my heart. I'm committing my life to you. I'm recommitting to you, Lord God. I'm not sure that if I die today, I'd spend eternity with you. And I want to have that guarantee. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. And I want to pray for the church. Because the scripture also tells us that while the workers were asleep, the enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat. And so, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the workers in your field. We, the people of God. That we will not fall asleep and give room for the enemy to come and intertwine tears with our roots. Cause us to be watchful and alert in the name of Jesus. Give us eyes to discern, minds to understand what is happening in the spiritual realm. So we can pray in wisdom and watch and pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that if amongst us there are tears... Though we can't judge, for we only know for ourselves. We pray that by your grace and your mercy, for it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to eternal life. That Lord God, you would speak to them. And that instead of standing in pride, they would bow and receive you as Lord and Savior. I pray in the name of Jesus that for the born again believers that God you'll give them an assurance of salvation. For you said in your word that for them who believe you gave the power to be called sons of God. Said if we believe in you we will not perish but that we would have everlasting life. May we live in this assurance of salvation. In Jesus name for there is no other name given by which men could be saved and can be saved except in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. In Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just clap your hands for him this morning.